0: You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast episode number 13. Today we are kicking off a new part of the Gold Digger podcast where I am going to personally coach other entrepreneurs and you get to listen in. I had this idea recently when I was thinking about how important it is to take on mentors in your business and to get solid and sound advice from people that are further in the industry than you. While it's amazing to listen to people who have really made it, I think sometimes we can learn best from the people that are in the trenches of entrepreneurship right alongside of us. So I'm so excited to be introducing these live coaching calls as part of the Gold Digger podcast. And I want to formally extend an invitation to you, yes, you, in order to apply so that you could be coached by me on an upcoming episode. All you have to do is go to bit.ly slash GDP coaching. Again, that's bit.ly slash GDP coaching, and we'll link to it in the show notes at golddiggerpodcast.com. But you can apply every single month to be the lucky entrepreneur that gets to be coached by me and recorded so that everyone can learn and listen from you wherever you are at in your entrepreneurial journey. I am so excited about adding these in once a month. And I truly think that we can learn so much from one another as we tune in and encourage each other in our growth as entrepreneurs. So today I'm interviewing Kate Quinn. Kate actually took over my assistant, Caitlin's business, and I got to be a part of her branding, her logo creation, even her headshots, and I got to meet with her in person and give her some business advice. So today I get to interview her, see how it's going, talk through some of the challenges she's facing, and really strategize her business moving forward. Guys, this is a great episode, and I really hope that you enjoy this new facet to the Gold Digger podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by Honeybook. Honeybook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. Honeybook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash Gold Digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher and today I am super excited to introduce something a little new to the podcast. So yesterday I was thinking a lot about the direction I wanted this to go and one of the biggest things I thought about was that sometimes it's really good to learn from people who are exactly where we are, in the trenches, starting a business, and just getting going. And since I get a ton of one-on-one coaching requests and it's not a service I'm currently offering because I'm focusing on courses, I thought how cool would it be to spend one episode per month coaching an entrepreneur and letting you guys listen in because I think it'd be so cool for us to just learn together and to also extend that opportunity for you guys to get coached. So we are introducing this, and I'm super excited about it. And today I'm really excited to kick off with a dear friend who recently came into my life and is making waves, and her name is Kate Quinn. So welcome, Kate. Hi, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And this girl just showed up. I was like, all right, Kate, let's just do this. Let's talk through some stuff together and we'll let everyone in on it. So will you please just start this off and tell everyone about you, your recent changes, the business you're running, where you're located, all the good stuff. Of
1: course. Okay. So I'm Kate and I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm now a new business owner, which is so exciting. I actually live in Ottawa, in Canada, in case anyone doesn't know where that is. I'm in Canada and I'm basically fresh off the starting blocks. I'm only a couple months into my business journey, but I couldn't be more happy about where I am. Basically, everything came about really quickly for me. I've always, always, always wanted to have my own business, and my background's kind of been. Always working for other people in administration and kind of more operational on the business side of things. But I had been working for a few local businesses here in Ottawa and I wanted to start my own thing. So it actually came about from reading one of your blog posts on outsourcing and how you hired your support, Caitlin. And I took that leap and I reached out to her and, you know, the rest is kind of history from there. It was very quick and basically Caitlin gave me the opportunity to take over her business, make it my own. So now I'm continuing to support photographers and creative entrepreneurs in aspects of their business and I am just super excited to be starting this journey.
0: That's amazing. And in episode number seven, where I talk with Caitlin about her transition and her business – and what it looked like to pass on a business that she spent years and years building. It's so fun now to see this come full circle, and it was all because of a blog post, which I think is just insane. It's Um, crazy. It is, it is, is. is. and it's like, how does this even, I mean, how is this real life? That's what I want to ask, but one of the coolest things that happened is that Kate flew into Wisconsin to kind of do the final passing of the torch between herself and Caitlin, and I got to meet her, I got to shoot her headshots, I designed her logo and I've kind of been a weird part of your process and transition dare I say you have been. Uh, as you go through this and so what I'm really excited to talk about is just to really have a conversation about how everything is going how the transition has been where you're at what's working what's not working because as a fresh entrepreneur like there is just so much stuff that you might not have expected or that has surprised you so mm-hmm. kind of fill us in on how it's going so far sure yeah I mean like
1: I said it happened so quickly that I you know I've still processing some stuff right now. But again, it's all exciting. So I think the biggest things for me right now are really, you know, I'm a creative person. So flipping over to a business mindset for me is a little foreign. So I'm struggling, you know, right now with just making sure that I'm setting up those foundational elements for a business to function properly at the same time servicing my clients right now, because... I took over the business. So there was clients of Caitlin's that I'm working with right now. So being able to continue serving them and also creating my business at the same time, I never really had that initial phase of kind of planning and setting this up for myself. So that's been a big thing for me right now.
0: I love that. And I think for me... It's funny because whenever I speak or I teach or I show up at workshops, I always tell people like I'm a businesswoman first and a photographer, a podcaster, painter second. And I just got an email from somebody I went to school with and they were like, where did you go to school? What did you go to school for? And I said, well, I didn't go to school for photography. Mm -hmm. I went to school for business, not even knowing that someday I would be an entrepreneur, like with zero intent of that. Right. And so I think it's been really interesting because I love the creative industry as a whole. I love the art side of things, but what I've noticed and what I've learned is that a lot of times creative people really struggle with structure and plans and strategy. And just like you're talking about, like the business side of things. And so Mm -hmm. it's hard to balance those two things and something that's really helped me over the years is to really separate the art and the business because I think that we can be better artists when we have our business lined up and in a place. And it's almost like segmenting your life in that sense as a CEO and then as an artist because... Mm-hmm. When we set those boundaries and we lay out the foundations and we have a plan, I think it gives us the opportunity to free us up mentally to be better artists. And so it's really hard, especially in your role that you're in, because you're supporting artists. So you need to be the structure for them in a sense. And so, like you said, you're almost setting up two separate workflows as you're jumping into this new endeavor. Definitely. Yeah. How has the transition been for you from going from more of a traditional job to working from home? Because for me, that was something that was unexpectedly really challenging. And I think that a lot of people don't talk about that because the ultimate dream is to work from home in your yoga pants, right? Like that's what we put out there. But sometimes the reality of that is shocking. So how has that looked for you? Yeah, so it
1: definitely has always been in the back of my mind where I've wanted to work from home and have that flexibility in my schedule to be available for my daughter. I have a seven-year-old daughter who's in school right now. So it's been amazing for me to not worry about, you know, before and after care for her for school. I'm now able to be home for her. So that's a dream come true for me. But on the other hand, being at home, there's so many other distractions. So I think, you know, you're constantly thinking like I should be cleaning or doing laundry or, you know, oh, my favorite shows on TV right now. But having that discipline within yourself to really set kind of hours and work hours for yourself and for me, I've kind of set that from the get-go and also created a space within my house that is an office for me. And that was a big help, you know, before I'd kind of work down at the island in the kitchen or at the dining room table. And it just wasn't productive. And when I decided to turn a bedroom upstairs in our home into my office, I just, I don't want to leave this place now. So I think that's, you know, really, really helped in kind of creating a separate office space in my home so that when I'm in here it's work time and when I'm not I'm at home.
0: I love that. And I, I think too, I mean, like I said, I don't think people talk about this enough, but especially when you are pretty much doing your entire life for 90% of it in one space, it can be really hard to set those boundaries. And I know that it was something Caitlin and I talked about a lot because especially when you're serving multiple clients who might be in different time zones or might have different busy schedules or might have different needs how has it been adjusting to that as well, like setting those expectations from the beginning? Because you were so lucky in jumping into this business that Caitlin was able to speak a lot of wisdom into your life, mm-hmm. but sometimes, too, you have to make those errors to learn for yourself. So what has that looked like totally. for you? Yeah, so I was fortunate that things were kind of set up in terms
1: of some expectations, but any new clients coming on, I've just... It's been difficult with different time zones. I think every client I've had is in a different time zone. So, um, yeah, so I have clocks in my office to keep track of the different ones, but, you know, just kind of making it known and reiterating, you know, what the time is for me and my actual working hours, and then also not giving out my phone number. <laughs> That's so <laughs> You smart. know, I, uh, I've done that. And, you know, not that it's been a bad thing necessarily for certain things, but, you know, going forward, I'm not going to be doing that anymore because it's just too 24-7. Mm-hmm. And previous jobs, it's been like that for me. So I think just to set that expectation that, you know, you can't reach me 24 seven. I have the set hours, you know, trying best with the time zones to work within those as best as I can.
0: That's so smart. And I would give that advice. It's been something I've struggled with as well, because I have such a personable brand that I think a lot of times people feel entitled Mm -hmm. to reach me. And I know that that might sound harsh. Um, But I think a lot of people just assume that I will be available to them. Yeah. And so it definitely is really hard. And I'm the kind of person where I do really struggle to shut my brain off. Mm -hmm. And so if I get a text message or a Facebook message or get tagged in a post, like it just gets my brain going again. And I'd rather just put out that fire than let it burn all weekend or whatever. So I think that's brilliant. And that's really, really smart of you. So I'm super curious, because you went through such a recent giant career change. Mm -hmm. How was that in your life in terms of relationships? Because when I decided to make a leap into full time photography, as somebody who literally just had a $300 camera, people had some very different opinions. And I know my family was a little nervous, which rightfully so like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, But what was that kind of like for you? So for me,
1: I kind of had both ends of the spectrum, Um, overwhelming support in a positive way, which was actually kind of surprising for me. I didn't expect that from some people, but that was great. My husband being the main supporter of me and kind of allowing me to take the time to figure things out and to, you know, encourage me all the way to just go for this. And then I also had the other end of the spectrum where people I wasn't expecting to have a negative outcome or a a negative reaction to my decision did. And I struggled with that a lot in the beginning, you know, just how to how to approach it and then, you know, how to deal with it afterwards. But all in all, I mean, everyone's been very happy for me. So that's just the best thing
0: I think that it's one of those things, especially I know as women – we tend to doubt ourselves. And I know I definitely look for affirmation through other people or what they think or how they explain what I'm doing. And sometimes you're like, well, you don't really get it. And I know Caitlin and I joke about this all the time because I'm like, you are not an assistant to me. Like you are doing all of these things to help grow my business and you're a part of my business. And so sometimes it's probably confusing for people where you're like, I left this stable job and salary so that I could work from home and support. Other people's businesses, and they're probably like, Wait, what? Yeah, (laughs) but it's like, No, you don't understand. And I think that I've learned that you shouldn't have to explain yourself to people, like, or defend if you're on the defensive end, they're probably not your people, anyways. And that's been something I've learned totally. Yeah, I realize that as well. Yes, so what are some of the big goals, or what can we talk through and hash out today for you in terms of like your first year of business and what? you know, is on your radar, especially since we're in a new year and the resolutions are fierce right now. Yeah, it's perfect timing. Start of the new
1: year, start of a new business. It's very exciting. So I think, you know, kind of looking at the next year, some goals for me are really just having those business operations established, things like invoicing, expenses, accounting, communication with clients. I want that to be kind of set up and running smoothly. And then a big one for me, I only have two spots left on my client list, which is awesome to begin with, but I'd really like those to be filled up. And then I would, you know, long-term goal, I'd love to write an ebook one day. And so I think, you know, setting the foundation for that for me and establishing and building a client list or an email list for me to eventually get to that point if I can would be amazing. So you know, that feels like a lot within the first year, but you know,
0: I think it's totally doable. That actually doesn't stress me out at all. And, Something that I've learned, especially in terms of coaching, I had a coaching call last night with Ashlyn, the copywriter, who Mm -hmm. is the copywriter for my business. And she had just been really struggling with pricing and what her work should look like and how to set boundaries and all that stuff. And it was funny because as I started looking at her goals, I'm like, this is totally doable. And I think a lot of times we feel like our goals need to be these big, hairy, scary things. Mm -hmm. And really, it can be stuff that is building and it can be built over time and a lot of times we want to like have things done by January 15th you know we set a resolution yeah. and we're like what can I accomplish in the next 2 weeks or whatever that looks like but the amazing thing is is that everything that you listed is things that will help in terms of the longevity of your business mm-hmm. um so let's kind of i I would love to just talk through each of those three cuz I think yes. those are really good things and I think that they can be addressed in a way that will give you action steps in terms of knowing like, am I on pace? Am I doing this? Am mm-hmm. I working towards it? So that it's not something that just drops off of our radar once February hits. Definitely. Um So the first things first, like getting your foundational items running smoothly. So one of the things that I've learned, especially over the last year, is that a lot of times we spend so much time working in our business that we don't have time to work on our business. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a very big difference in how we are setting ourselves up to work on our business and how we can take out some of the work that is keeping us in it. And so for what you said, Things like setting up email templates, creating workflows with your clients. Right now, Caitlin and I are going through that like major overhaul so that everyone knows who is doing what and we have timelines and we have the order of what things need to be done and setting up things like that so that there's never any guesswork and so that you're never hopping from task to task without completing something first if you're like me, which I, let me just ask you this right now. Like I have, let me count. I think I have 12 internet tabs open right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something I totally struggle with. Oh my Lord, I actually have two windows with about 12 on each of them. Yeah. And something that I've learned and that I still, I struggle with immensely is that you need to write down three things every single day. And then you need to start with the biggest priority and you cannot move on to number two or three until number one is done. Mm-hmm. And so Caitlin and I have started doing this every day where we will send each other our big three And if we notice that the other person is in the inbox or on Facebook or getting off track, we try to like reel it back in because it's funny when I focus on those three items, I'm usually done with them before lunchtime. But when I'm allowing those distractions to creep in, it's probably going to take me all day to get them done. For sure. And then on
1: that point, you know, I know you have Caitlin with you, but for someone like myself, who's really you know, just kind of on their own. Yep. Do you have any ways of setting that accountability within yourself with those three things?
0: Yeah, I love that. So the first thing for me is actually keeping a planner. And it sounds so simple. But a lot of times creative people were really good at starting things. And we're really bad at following through. Mm-hmm. And so what I've tried to start doing is writing down my three for the next day, at the end of the workday. So that I can close my office doors and not be thinking about those three things. So we'll do what I love to call a brain dump about once a week. And I have a Google Doc that's just a working document for myself of just things I've been thinking about or I want to do or I've been meaning to do or I haven't gotten around to it. And it's just a working document of all of those thoughts because I always feel more rested when I get those out of my head and just written down. Because do you ever feel scatterbrained or is that just me? No, I'll wake up in the night, you know, thinking about something.
1: And then that just spirals into not being able to fall back asleep because the wheels start turning and you just have ideas and thoughts and all these things that happen.
0: And then, you know, you're
1: in this loop of of ideas, but
0: well, and a lot of times too, we're efficiency experts in the sense of if I'm awake in the middle of the night, I would way rather just get up and work than to lay in bed and not do anything. (laughs) And so Caitlin for Christmas, she actually gave me the book present over perfect. Have Mm -hmm. you heard of it? That's going to be on my, you know, reading list because I've heard of it,
1: but I have. Everyone
0: needs to read it. I'm starting a book club with my mom and sisters and we are going through that one because it's a really incredible book, but it's also just really... I mean, it knocks you to your knees in the sense of learning how to be present and to dial your mind down and to not let yourself just say, I have a busy mind. That's how it is. I'm never going to not be this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've really enjoyed it because that is usually my excuse for things. And while a busy mind can be really powerful in getting stuff done, it can also be a detriment. Like we're talking about, mm-hmm. like staying awake at night or never feeling fully present in either space, whether that's your work or your family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um So I would say, like, sit down once a week, brain dump everything that you are thinking about or that you want to do. And it's not stuff you have to get done immediately or even in the next week, but just so that you have a working place so that if you do have time, a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I have like a free hour. What should I be working on? And then I spend that hour browsing Instagram or whatever that looks like. And Mm -hmm. so when I have that working doc, I'm like, okay, here are these things I should be getting done or I've wanted to get done. How great would it feel to cross one of them off of the list? Yeah, definitely. I love that idea. And then the other thing too I would say is in terms of getting your foundation set, stop delaying like things like templates – or in workflows. And a lot of times we put that stuff off because it's going to take time, but the amount of time we're spending sending emails that sound the exact same or um, recreating content because it's just a little bit different. We have learned so much. Like when you just take a step back, take the time to set those things up, it frees you up so much more mentally. So with each client, if you can create a workflow and get it on some sort of organization board like Trello or Asana or G calendars or whatever that looks, like, so that you both feel like you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it eliminates the feeling that you need to check in on them, or they need to check in on you so that you're kind of all on the same page, which is super helpful. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I have started using Asana as well. But it's difficult, I feel like in my business, because every client is different, and their needs Mm -hmm. are different. And the services I provide to them are different. So, you know, To be able to establish one workflow across the board would be ideal, but it's just not how it's going to happen in in my business anyways. So Mm -hmm. do you feel like that can still apply when I'm working with so many different types of businesses?
0: Definitely, and I think that what the biggest part of that is, and Caitlin and I tried Asana, and we just really struggled on it. Like she would assign me tasks, and then I would just delete the email. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah, so like just I just no don't overload. want to deal with this right now. It is email overload, and so what I think is important for you to remember is that while you are serving other people's businesses, you are a business owner first. And so while you have this innate desire to communicate with your clients in a way that is going to speak to them and stuff, like you are still running your business and you can't be everything to everyone. And so you have to figure out your system and whether or not they're going to jump into Asana or jump onto Trello or whatever that looks like, as long as you know exactly how you're doing it and you're setting that up as a boundary or as a foundation, that is very clear. The more that they can see that you're organized, I think the easier it will be to get them on board or to invite them in to join you in that sort of organization, Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. No, it does completely. Good. Okay. So the next thing is you have to add two clients to your client list, ideally. So you've run your numbers, right? Yes. You kind of know what you need to make or what you want to make in terms of your goals. And you know that in order to meet those goals, you have to get two more clients to your client list, right? So where are your clients finding you would be my first question. And I know that you've had most of Caitlin's people kind of transition over, but you've also had a few new clients and a lot of new inquiries. So first Mm -hmm. off, where is that coming from? So a lot are just generated through my website, but I think a
1: lot, you know, just after Caitlin's podcast, people found me through you as well. And just kind of inquiring about, you know, who did take over Caitlin's business and
0: a few have have
1: mentioned that as well when they've reached out, so...
0: Okay, so I'm just gonna throw this out there, but I'm pretty sure after this episode airs, you probably won't need to. That would be Um, amazing. That would be amazing. Um, So one of the things that I love in terms of talking to entrepreneurs, especially when it comes to coaching, is asking somebody like, let's say you needed a thousand dollars extra this month for whatever it would be, whether it's a medical expense or a vacation or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I love to ask them, like, if you had to go out and hustle, what would your action steps be? And I know that you're newer to this, but what kind of things would you do that are already in place in order to tell the world, like, hey, I am available for hire. This is how you can get in touch. Do you have any ideas on that? I've used Instagram
1: a lot. So just building that and trying to establish myself on there. So that, you know, a lot of creative entrepreneurs are on Instagram. So I think they go there first sometimes to find these people. I like to kind of check it out myself and see and find my dream clients on Instagram too. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, kind of look into their business a little bit. And then I haven't done it yet, but, you know, trying to reach out to them as well on my own, instead of having everyone come to me. Yep. And we
0: all know that's how Caitlin yep. <laughs> got me. <laughs> so I think both of those are great options. And I would love for everyone that's listening to really think about this question. Um, because a lot of times we expect people to come to us, right? Like we just sit there and refresh our inbox over and over and over again and pray that there's a new lead in there. But a lot of times we're too afraid to go out and either post and just say like, hey, I am available, or this is what I do, and this is how I can serve you in your life, whether you're a photographer, a calligrapher, a stationer, whatever that is. And I think a lot of times we are just too afraid to put it out into the universe. Uh We're afraid that we're going to look like we aren't booking enough, or that we're not successful, or that we're struggling. And we just need to kick that fear to the curb once and for all. Because every time that I've put something out into the universe like that, it has always come back to me. And I think that a lot of times we expect that people are following us and seeing our posts and watching us and they know what we're doing. And, you know, people aren't on social media all the time. And they're definitely not seeing all of your posts. So I love that you followed up your first response with the fact that I would do research and find people that might be my dream client and reach out to them and extend my services. Because I would love to guess that nine out of 10 new entrepreneurs would not do that. Like Mm -hmm. it's scary, right? Like that would be terrifying. You haven't done it yet. It's scary. It it is. And so, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's almost like a first date or like sending where you're like putting yourself out there and you're like, what will they think of me? Yeah. Is this email signature good? Should I change up the font? Like, exactly. Um, and, and so like confidence, yeah, and yes. confidence
1: to just be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. You know, you, yes. you should hire me, but that asking for that is is difficult
0: sometimes. It's scary. And it's funny because I think that, you know, a lot of people will be like, well, how the heck did you book 25 weddings your first year? And the funny thing was, is that I went into those client meetings acting like I had photographed a thousand weddings. I went in with so much confidence, which was totally faked. Like, I just knew that like if these people were going to trust me and pay me, I would do anything within my human power to make sure that it was worth every penny for them. And I believed in myself enough about that. I didn't believe that I knew how to work a camera, (laughs) but I said like I can do this and a lot of times we are just learning as we go. I don't know anyone that would say that they have it all figured out. And so that whole confidence piece is so huge, especially in your line of work where you're assisting other people that have built something. Mm -hmm. So the more that you can exude that confidence and say, you know what, I am just starting, but here's what I've learned. And here's who I've learned from. And these are people I've worked with. And this is what I can do. And if there are things that you need me to do that I don't know how to do, I'm willing to learn it. And To me, I would rather take on somebody that I could train to help me than to take on somebody that was stubborn in their ways. So don't ever think that your newness makes you not as desirable because in a sense it can make you even more desirable. Yeah. Okay. Never thought of it from that angle. Yeah. <laughs> I like that angle. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and it was funny too, because when I was talking to Ashlyn, we were talking about expanding her team and I'm like, you don't want to hire somebody that's parallel to you right now, because chances are they're going to want to go off and do their own thing. And, you know, then suddenly you guys will feel like you're competing against each other and you're not a community anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you want to hire somebody that wants to do what you're doing someday, or that is willing to learn what you're doing now. And so I think a lot of times when it comes to hiring somebody as an assistant, you don't want to hire somebody that's, you know, training up to become the next you. You want to hire somebody that's either comfortable and more comfortable being in that position to assist or help or somebody that eventually wants to be like you and is willing to commit, you know, a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. to you so that you can train them and make it worth it. So definitely that's how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So the last thing you said that I absolutely love, and I, I think it's just an incredible idea, especially that you're thinking about this now. And, I'm pretty sure Caitlin and I have been putting bugs in your ear for a while about this is establishing an email list because you did say, you know, eventually you might want to do an ebook or even some sort of training program or something Mm -hmm. where you can serve other people who want to do what you're doing someday or to help serve your clients so that you're getting dream clients and setting those expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, so Let's talk about email marketing because obviously this is a hot topic item. It's something I'm really living and breathing and working through in the month of January because I've seen it on so many people's resolution lists and goals, but I feel like there is so much confusion on the subject. So what are your thoughts in terms of like, why do you know this is important? What is your kind of game plan or strategy or why are you thinking about this so early in your business? So yeah, I think
1: that basically in my business it's really difficult to kind of build you know that trust and credibility mm-hmm. for myself because what i'm asking of people or what people would be hiring me me to do is really be a part of their business and it's usually their baby that they've built from the ground up so that's a hard hard thing for them to do so i think that being able to have that list and have that communication with people so they can get to know me when it comes time to maybe make that jump when they want to outsource or they want to, you know, expand their team and hire me. They wouldn't have to think twice about who they would know me and trust me and know that that was the right decision. So I think that's kind of my immediate reason of why I want this. But again, you know, down the road, I would love to offer those other things that we mentioned, like templates, eBooks, training programs.
0: I love that. And you know, this is something drew and I just went through when he launched his business. And the funny thing was, is that we focused on growing his email list from day one, before he had a logo, before he had a website, before he even had a business name, Mm -hmm. uh, because we knew that like hiring a health coach is something that you're not just going to go pick the average Joe. You need to like them. You need to trust them. You need to know that they're walking the walk and you know, they're living a lifestyle that you want. And so we understood that. And Before we even launched his business, we had over 2,000 subscribers on his list because we were super serious about growing it and serving people before we were ever going to sell to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times, especially in terms of service-based companies, a lot of people think, well, why the heck do I need an email list? Like products, sure, it makes sense, but service. No, and I I was totally one of those people. Like as a photographer, I was like, I have no idea why I would need an email list. I have all my client emails somewhere in my inbox. Yeah. If I need them, I can track them down. But one of the things that you said first is you don't want potential clients to forget about you. You want to stay front of mind all of the time. And you can do that so much easier through email than through social media because your emails can be very calculated. They can be super consistent and you can be reaching people and serving them over and over and over again so that you become this reliable person in their life. Hey guys, I needed to interrupt our interview to tell you about a special opportunity that is happening January 17th, 18th, and 19th. I will be hosting four live webinars on what to say, when to say it, the creatives how to guide to email lists. And I really want you to sit down and join me for this one hour training all about how to capture someone's email list, the number one email you need to send to your list and simple email recipes to wow your list that turn the into your biggest fan club and help you serve them better so join me for this live webinar training at www.growanemaillist.com again that is growanemaillist.com save your seat we have four webinar trainings available and they're filling up fast but i really hope that you join me so that i can pour more email list inspiration into your life it's funny because to me, this might sound really weird, but email is more intimate to me than social media. Like mm-hmm. I have to choose to click open and I am seeing your name as a sender. And social media, it's just like you're screaming to the masses and hoping the right person hears you. Yeah. Whereas email, it's a lot of intentionality behind it. And I just love that. And one thing that I love to know is um, statistics show that most potential clients have to come in contact with your business seven times before they will hire you. Wow. So if you're not collecting their information or giving them something that is worthy of getting their email address for, what is the chance that they're going to remember your URL? You know, no, like, like I mean, it's we we love to like think the best in people, which I think is a Mm -hmm. brilliant thing. But you know, a lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, You know, of course they would remember me, but we, I mean, I, like I said, I have 12 internet tabs open. I don't even remember what I ate for lunch. Like, so that's one of the things. And I think that especially for clients and me as somebody who hired someone just like you, I was not ready to outsource for a very long time. Like there, I mean, it was months and months and months of me like, okay, I think I'm ready. Uh, I'm not ready. I think I'm ready. Ah. And so it's, you know, we can't rely on people remembering you or your site or your Instagram handle. I think that if you can take that control with an email list and say, here are three ways you can simplify your workflow and you're going to be learning all of this stuff while working with your clients. And so mm-hmm. you can be serving non clients with super incredible information. That is also going to help set expectations for you should there come a time that they hire you. Did you ever think about that? No. Because I'm always thinking, what would I spend? What
1: what am I talking to these people about, you know? So I
0: have a good I have a good example, especially as a wedding photographer, because I feel like the service industry is Mm -hmm. very relatable. Yeah. So having an email list is a perfect opportunity to help set expectations, but it also helps establish whether people are the right fit or the wrong fit for you. And a lot of times we don't think about attracting and repelling via an email list, but I put out some content That is very clear if somebody is a good bride for me or not. And it's things like, should you do a first look? Yes or no. And some people feel super strongly about it. And I feel strongly about the other way. Mm -hmm. So people that are going to disagree with that email, they might just say, well, she's probably not the wedding photographer for us. And that's not a bad thing. Even things like, should you have an unplugged ceremony? These are all emails that are super informative for anyone, whether they're my client or another photographer's client that's just educating them. But it's also telling them like this stuff is important to Jenna. And the more that you serve them with content like that, the more that you are setting up these expectations that if the time comes when they're like, I need Kate in my life, they already kind of know the way that you lead and the way that you help businesses. Mm -hmm. And so it's not going to be a huge educational process for you when you onboard a new client, because they already have been following enough to know that you're the right fit for them.
1: Yeah. And I think onboarding a new client is hard enough as it is. So I think, you know, knowing that they would already know me and my expectations is just like a dream. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. And I love that. And I think a lot of people don't think of it that way. And it's so interesting too, because obviously as a wedding photographer, I usually only work with clients once, maybe twice if they do engagement photos, Mm -hmm. but people love weddings. So they're going to want to get the best wedding content or inspiration or education. And so when service-based people write things off because they're like, Well, I'm only gonna have this client once, like, no, if I wanna charge premium prices, I need to show them like I know my stuff, I'm an expert in this area, I have something to offer you that's either gonna make your life simpler or more enjoyable or solve a problem for you. And so a lot of times as service people we're like, Well, I don't have like a promotion code to send them, mm-hmm. or I don't have a course to launch, or whatever that looks like, but your email list is awesome. And that brings me to number two, which is, like you said, you need to build that know, like and trust. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we're like, well, I can do that on social media. But guys, like social media is changing every single day. Like I can't keep up with it anymore. And it's so hard to know, like, are posts even being seen? Are people even like getting our content? And if they are, they're probably not getting it in the order that we're putting it out there. You know,
1: I have to set notifications just to make sure I don't miss the people I want to see.
0: Exactly. And I don't, I don't even do that. And so it is, it's like, we love to be like, well, I posted about that on Monday, but like, I know that 90% of my followers didn't even see that. Mm -hmm. And so I just think with, email, you're in control. You don't have to worry about algorithms. You know that you're reaching people. And a lot of times, too, if you can send out emails that are in a sequence. So I'm doing like a challenge. So I know that people are going to get day one, day two, day three, day four, day five all in a row at the right time. It's all delivered to them. And I'm not wondering like, did they miss day three because I sucked on that post or whatever that is? So I think that kind of takes that stress away from it. And I think you can also have a more casual tone of voice in email. The other thing, too, is even if you're not selling a product right now, email lists are the best way to communicate updates about your company. So when we talked about you needing those two clients, what an amazing way to reach out to your list and say, hey, guys, I have two openings right now. If you know somebody that needs help or if you're interested in just talking more, set up a time to chat with me. We can talk through what your business needs. And we're doing that right now with Drew. Like he's taking on 10 coaching clients. We're using that email list of people that said, I'm interested in what Drew has to offer. I might not be ready to be coached yet, but I'm at least interested and wanting to know more. And so you don't feel like you're putting this out there to like, your great aunt in Florida, who probably doesn't care that you need two (laughs) clients, you're like, I'm actually reaching people that opted in that said, I want to know more about this. And so it feels a lot easier to talk specifically to an audience than to like, be like, okay, my college roommate's reading this and she probably thinks I'm crazy. You know what
1: I mean? Yeah, totally. And I wouldn't have thought, you know, having talked about how I was trying to reach new clients and how leads were coming in. I, Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't, Think about the fact that an opt-in or an email list would be able to capture those people and at some point down the road they might become clients. So that's totally. huge to me. Yeah. And
0: it's funny too with Drew stuff because with the email list, like an email list is going to convert so much higher than your social media is because like I said, it's people that have opted in. Like they've said, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in what you have to offer. I've already signed up for something from you. So you're not screaming to the masses anymore. And so for us with Drew's business, it's been a lot easier to say like, Hey, here is what this coaching looks like. If you're not ready for this, we have other free options or things to just kind of ease you into the water. But we just want to let you know, like this is an opportunity right now. And also it can have a more clear call to action in emails. That's like, if this isn't right for you, but you know somebody it's right for, forward this email on. Whereas like on Instagram, like you get tagged in a post and it's gone in five minutes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Things like that. Like I don't even, I can't even keep up with notifications anymore. So, so yeah. I mean, the last thing that I would say about email lists is, If nothing else, your email list kind of helps you know where you're at in terms of the health of your business. And it's a good indicator if you are going to start creating things eventually, like even a couple years down the road from now. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I want to train other people to become a virtual assistant, or I want to serve creative entrepreneurs in a way that gets them prepared to outsource. Or I want to provide a tool that lets people know how much money they would save by outsourcing or whatever that looks like. It's really a great way to gauge like, is this going to be worth my time before you spend all this time creating something that people might not be willing to pay for? And we -hmm. do this all the time. Even Caitlin and I, we had talked about, you know, what if we created a course and like helped clients and assistants learn how to work together and help them create those workflows and we kind of put out something out there to see if there was interest there wasn't an interest there was definitely a need for it but it wasn't our yeah. place to fill it and yeah. so it was really great to figure that out before we spent weeks and months right. developing something that probably wouldn't have done well yeah i guess it's almost like a pre-order on a product or yeah. something right exactly kind of, exactly
1: yeah, it's awesome
0: mm-hmm. oh that's awesome so Let's go into a few more questions before we wrap this up. And I have your questions because we got them done before. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions is how to make it a priority when day-to-day tasks seem more urgent in terms of emailing. Yep. So you see the benefit of email lists, but it's a long-term goal to sell something to them eventually. And it's mm-hmm. difficult to make that a priority. Yeah. So I love this question. And I agree. I mean, I think it is really hard, especially when you're starting out. There are so many places that are calling for your attention. And obviously, you're putting your clients first and then your business second, which sometimes can be really hard, especially when you're starting. Yeah. And so one of the things that I am starting to do in this new year is to batch my schedule. So what that looks like is instead of jumping from task to task every single day, I'm trying to devote two days a week towards content creation, and then two days a week towards other business operations. And I found that if I were to sit down and say, hammer out three blog posts or three emails I could see the bigger picture more clearly Mm -hmm. than if I were to do one email here and then one email next week. And it's hard because you have to spend that time reacquainting yourself to what, you know, what did I say last week and what was I leading into? And so creating my schedule in a way that allows me to batch work so that I can see the big picture And I can sit down and I can say, okay, I need one email per week for this month. Let me sit down and write these four emails and then take a little space from them so that I can come back, make sure nothing's changed, check for typos, you know, that kind of stuff. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we did for Drew is we sat down and wrote five emails and it actually didn't take all that long. I think that we... Feel like kind of like blog posts where we're like they need to be five paragraphs and they need to have headlines and subheadlines and it's like oh my gosh it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, As long as there is an intent to serve behind your email, I think that that's the only thing that you need. So I would say if you are likely already creating content in your business, whether it's through emails through your Instagram posts, through Facebook, for through blogging, you're already creating this content. So there is a need and a way to repurpose what you're already doing so that you don't feel like you're starting from scratch when it comes to email. Mm-hmm. So email can be a really great way to use call to action. So if you're putting out something that you want to share, um, a lot of times my emails will link to content I've already created. Um, and so it's more as an invitation to people in a more intimate way. And so that would be my idea there. And I would just say, like, of course, everything feels more urgent. But what's going to happen in three years when we aren't getting any reach on Facebook or Instagram? Mm -hmm. Like, what is that going to look like when we have worked so hard to build up these followings, and all of a sudden, we're not even able to reach them anymore, or we have to pay for ads? To me, the email list is the long term goal, which I know you've established that. But if you can start creating workflow strategies around that, even if it's just one email a month, like that doesn't sound that bad, right? No. And you know, you'll create something within that month that could serve your audience. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we're taking for that route. And for Drew, he didn't want to have a blog, like he's just not a blogger. And that's okay. And so we said, well, why don't we focus more on growing his email list so that we can serve blog like content without the pressure of having beautiful images or you know five paragraph essays for SEO purpose. We just wanted to be able to serve people in a really meaningful way through an email list. And that was more where our priority sat there. Yeah. And I think that's similar
1: for me too, where I don't see myself having a blog. I don't have, you know, images to feature and that kind of thing. So having this list just made more sense.
0: Yeah. And I think too, especially like same with Drew, he is doing more of a service thing and it it is more personalized because like personal health and wellness is so, Mm -hmm. such a personal thing. And so he's like, I want to be able to send out content that's going to help everyone. But then for those people that do want to get more specific, that will be what the one-on-one stuff is for. And so Mm -hmm. it's looking at the email list as a way of serving with a more overarching, like, here are things to make your life easier or solve a problem or to make your life more joyful. Like, it's pretty easy to think about skill sets and gifts that you have in your life that allow that to breathe into other people's lives. And a lot of times we discount what we're actually good at, but a lot of times what's common sense to you, isn't common sense to the next person Mm -hmm. over, you know, that's true. Yep. So the other thing too, that you had as a question is what to talk about as a service-based business to build credibility and trust. Mm -hmm. And I love this. I think that it is really hard because of self doubt. Do you agree? Totally. Yeah. Like Like you're like, I don't (laughs) know. Like I struggle with this all the time as well. And that was actually what held me back from teaching for years and years and years because I was like, I'm only 28 years old or I've only been in business for five years or whatever that is. And when I realized that I had gifts that might not speak to everyone, but that might absolutely change someone else's life. I was given so much freedom to share that because whatever I was putting out into the world was well-intentioned and it was also just from my personal experience. And so nobody could tell me that it wasn't happening or that it wasn't real or that it wasn't valuable. And so when I learned how to share my experiences in a way that would make it relatable or apply to someone else, instead of feeling like I needed to Google like, How exactly do you do this? Mm -hmm. What if I just said, this is how I did this? And explain, you know, maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't work and talking through that. And Drew is struggling with the same thing right now because he he's not a certified nutritionist. He knows a hell of a lot about nutrition, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times he'll second guess himself and start getting down that rabbit hole of searching for all these scholarly articles on how to do this or, you know, Mm -hmm. and what I tell him is people want to learn from you. People yeah. want to know your experience. People want to hear what you learned or how you did it or how you helped someone. And so when it comes to building credibility and trust, that trust needs to start within yourself. I know that sounds so Oprah of mm-hmm. me, but <laughs> I, I believe that is when you can trust and say, I've done something really incredible in somebody's life. And if I just share this story, somebody might relate to this and learn from it. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what these episodes are going to be. This coaching, it's showing like, Hey, I Jenna do not have all the answers, but I can at least lean on my own experience and what I've learned in order to help other people. And so, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things. So I would say, um, making sure that when you are using social media, or sending out an email, um, establishing the things that you've been working on, or the things that you've helped a client do. Another awesome way is to get testimonials. So we have a free guide that I'll link to in the show notes about how to get the most out of your testimonials. And your clients can do the talking for you. And that is one of the most magical things that we underutilize way too often. Mm -hmm. And then also just faking it until we make it. And I don't know if we'll ever make it. So I'm pretty sure we're all faking it, <laughs> Yeah. but really just saying and believing like, this is what I can do for you. And this is how I can help you. And if I can't help you, let me find somebody who can. And I think that that takes a really brave person to do that. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. our nose can be someone else's perfect. Yes. And I think that's really important right. too. Yep. Agreed. So anything else, I think
1: the only last thing that I wanted to ask you about yeah. was in my business. I feel like there's going to come a certain point where I'm going to hit a ceiling, and yeah. you know. I don't want to just stop there. I want to keep growing and expanding. So, you know, how how do I know when I'm ready for that and what path to take? Because right now I feel like there's a few different options. You know, I could potentially expand my team and hire, say, project managers to manage certain clients in that, that route. Or, you know, is it something that I take on myself and kind of establish these other revenue streams? So, I just don't know. You know, how do you navigate that? How do you know when you're ready and which route to take?
0: Yeah. So this is actually something that Ashlyn and I talked about at length last night. She sent over these beautiful spreadsheets and all of her income goals. And I mean, she sent over everything and she was so well organized. And the first thing I told her is that when I saw her stuff, it had her working 50 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I said, Ashlyn, I don't want you working 50 hours a week. I know you can and I know Mm -hmm. you're capable of it, but if you are planning right now to schedule out your entire year working 50 hours a week, knowing that you are a yes person and you're probably going to take on more than that 50 hours, which is going to push you closer to 60, you're going to be burnt out in a year. Mm -hmm. And so what we talked about is how can we get down those hours so that she can work on her business and not just in it, but also again, expanding her team. So, She was finding, and you're probably going to find this as well, that she was getting a ton of requests for a service that she had the capacity to offer and that she had the knowledge to offer, but that she didn't exactly enjoy offering. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that she kept having to turn people away, which she was turning away income because it was something that she, one, didn't have time for, and two, it wasn't something that brought her a lot of joy. And so I said, what would it look like for you to contract somebody to help you with that so that you still had your hand in it, but it wasn't the brunt of your work and you pay that person. So you're supporting another entrepreneur while also getting additional income and revenue into your business without taking on a lot of extra work. So that Mm -hmm. was the first thing we had talked about. And I would say, you know, when you hit a ceiling, a lot of times to me, that isn't just talking about money. It's talking about time. Mm-hmm. And I never want people to work so hard that it's like, they don't have any extra hours in the day. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, I don't want you to get to that point where you are like heading to burnout. And I think it's really hard. And I talked about this in my episode with Laura Casey, like so many very talented people worked themselves to the bone before they figured out how to prioritize and, restructure and to cut back and what that would look like. And so I would say that you're going to know when you get to that point when you're turning away work that you either want, mm-hmm. or you know, you could do but it's in your skill set, but maybe not your gifting. And I think that once you start getting to that point, that is when you should consider taking on help. And I obviously can't speak to it enough in terms of what my business has looked like since I took on Caitlin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But also to when you can start looking at what your days are looking at and how they're being filled and how much of your work is firing you up or making you excited and how much of it is just like monotony or things that someone else could do for you, you know, cause you mm-hmm. almost have to talk the talk and walk the walk yeah. of your own business. Exactly, And that, yeah. that time will come. I mean, it, it will come. And I think that you have to humble yourself when that time comes Mm -hmm. and really just take a step back. And especially as a mom and a wife, like making sure that those boundaries that you're setting now are still intact. And when you start to push those boundaries, that is a sign to me that you're either doing too much, or you're not working smart enough. Right? Yeah. So I think you'll know when the time comes. And I'm sure I'll be a part of it when that time comes to maybe help guide you through that. that. But yeah, it's exciting to think about. And you know, I think so many of us are just so white knuckling our businesses that it is scary to think about letting go a piece of that. But there comes so much peace when we do that, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this oh, first you. coaching opportunity. And I hope that it was really helpful for you. It was super helpful. So good.
1: Thank
0: you. Yeah. And I want to extend to all the gold diggers out there. If you are interested in applying to get coached for free on a podcast episode, we have a link that is going to be in the show notes for this episode at golddiggerpodcast.com or you can go to bit.ly slash Coaching. Again, that's bit.ly slash GDP coaching. And we are accepting people once a month. And so there's a little way that you can enter yourself in for a coaching session that will happen for our listeners to tune into. But thank you so much, Kate. Where can everyone find you? So my website
1: is www.katequinn.com, Quinn spelled Q-U-I-N.com. Instagram, again, it's at Kate Quinn underscore at the end. So I think if you just search Kate Quinn, I'll come up. Of course, Facebook as well. But uh, website and Instagram are the main places you can find
0: me. Awesome. And don't be surprised guys, if you go to her website and you see at capacity to sign up for a wait list, because I have a good feeling that after this episode airs, you might not need two more clients anymore, which would be such an exciting place to be. So thank amazing. you again for joining me and for the amazing conversation. I'm so thankful for you. And until next time, gold diggers keep on digging. Well, wasn't that amazing? Oh, that was so much fun. And I really can just see how these coaching sessions are going to bring value to you as an entrepreneur. It's so important that we never stop learning from one another. And no matter what industry you're in, that conversation with Kate can really apply to every different type of business. Now, I wanted to formally invite you. We have one more exciting announcement. This coming week, we will be teaching live workshops on What to say, when to say it, the creative's how-to guide to email lists, and I really want for you to join me so you can get your seat to the live workshop where you are gonna learn my method to actually get someone's email address without being creepy or offering something that's clearly just an opt-in to get their address. I'll be teaching the number one email you need to send to your list as part of your fresh no BS action plan to serve your tribe, the simple email recipes to wow your list. making them your biggest fan club and building that no like, and trust factor, and how to get started with all that tech to create pretty on-brand emails that feel like a beautiful magazine begging to be read. If you want to join me in this free live webinar training, go to com. Again, that is com, and save your seat today because it's filling up fast and I really want to hang out with you and teach you even more about email list. So sign up today at grow an email list.com. And I will see you with a glass of wine in my hand and tons of information to help you know if growing an email list is right for you this year. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.